Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. With me today is John Bayer of uh, what's Philly Inquirer and all sorts of places, um, columnist. You're a guy who knows what's going on. Uh, how are you? I'm well. How are you? You don't sound as well. <laughs> As uh, you usually do, and I'm sorry, and thank you for soldiering through. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll preface this by I'm sick, so obviously my voice sounds weird, but uh, I will try to edit out all the coughing. Good. Um, <laughs> and I promise John I won't cough on him. <laughs> Good. So, um, John, you um, kind of chimed in this week. You have been chiming in. I would recommend everyone read John's columns on this, on uh, this redistricting stuff that has been happening in Pennsylvania for months now. Yeah. Um, what was it that you wrote this week? Uh, the column this week kind of looked at w- what's next, um, s- sort of the aftermath. Like, now that all the court cases uh, are settled, except there's still one out there kind of lingering around that. But I, I think the issue is probably now settled law, and we do have new congressional maps, and everybody's moving forward in that direction. But the column that I wrote sort of addressed what has been described to me as an extraordinary level of anger and angst among the Republican uh, in the Republican legislature towards our state Supreme Court that is controlled by Democrats and that made the final decision on the maps that we now have. And, of course, when, when there's anger involved in politics, there's also an element of revenge. And I pointed out that there are ways beyond the threats of impeachment, which got an awful lot of national attention uh, because uh, 12 members of the, of the uh, Republican-controlled House signed on to a resolution to begin the process of, of seeking impeachment against the Democratic justices, or at least four of the five, uh, on the state Supreme Court. But And it's pretty clear now that that's going nowhere. The legislative leaders um, in, the, in the House have said so, that, that that's, it's not going to proceed. But there are other ways that uh, the Republican-controlled legislature can exact some payback, mm. and they include budget time. Yeah. The uh, Supreme Court's budget is $56 million. It is up for review within during the next couple of months. And items that have been discussed quietly include maybe stripping funding for court facilities in areas that that don't include Harrisburg. In Harrisburg, there is, as you know, Katie, a what Republicans snidely call a Taj Mahal building, (laughs) the uh, Pennsylvania Judicial Center, uh, which opened in 2009 at a taxpayer cost of $117 million. Very, very nice facility. Very nice. Very So there are, there are those who say, why do these justices uh, need other offices around the state? Why do they sit in other districts around the state? Which, by the way, I don't think is a bad idea mm-hmm. to spread the court around the state. It is a statewide court. But uh, so there's some talk about. And some of these offices are very, very nice. And, of course, of the seven justices, five are located in either Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Yeah. So you get sort of a twofer if you do that, revenge against the big cities, which Republicans always like, and revenge against this court. Yeah. And there's more. Yeah, um, there's... Other, other elements include pushing merit selection. I mean, because we are the only one of nine sta- seven states that elect judges at all levels, 
the 2015 election resulted in Democrats taking control right. when three Democrats were elected. So, and this has been something that, like, this has been an idea for a long been time. Been around forever, election. yeah, decades. Been around for decades. Always more, generally more supported by Republicans than Democrats. But now there seems to be a new interest in kind of revisiting that issue and maybe pushing for it. It requires a constitutional amendment. Yes. Uh, but there's talk of two things. One would be going to a straight merit selection process or if people don't want to give up their right to vote for statewide judges, conducting regional statewide uh, elections. In other words, cut the, cut the state into maybe four, six or more uh, districts, okay, much like so you would do congressional from this area, from this area okay, which I've always liked because it would guarantee a more diverse demographic and geographic representation well, on I mean, the state's highest court. Pennsylvania is a state where things don't always break down by party. Often you see like, issues breaking down by geography. So. Actually, more often yeah. than, than not. That's absolutely true. So I think for, for the sake of diverse justice, that might not be a bad idea. So anyway, though, um, a lot of this does have a tinge of revenge to it, um, mm. no matter how legitimate the ideas may be. Yep. And I want to go back real quick to this idea of impeaching justices, because, I mean, I, I think it's worth noting this it really isn't getting anywhere. The House doesn't support it. Leadership right. doesn't support it. But they've also, and we've heard a lot of these, you know, people who are in leadership being like, you know, telling reporters, why are you all paying so much attention to this? Like, it's not a big deal. It's just 12 guys. Like, yeah. who cares? And I think, I mean, it's worth noting, this is an extreme measure. And also, leaders spent, like, months not addressing it. They wouldn't right. say whether they supported it or not for no, a long right. time. Uh, it was funny. When it, when it first surfaced, uh, the Huffington Post made a big deal out of it. Yes. And I just remember chuckling, knowing instinctively that this is such an extreme reaction that it has no chance of going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it really flies in the face of reason and justice and, you know, the fact that if you don't agree with a judicial decision, you're going to impeach the people that made it is just, is just not an American thing to do. I mean, it sounds like some third world or banana republic kind of reaction. But uh, it just wouldn't go away. People kept talking about it. People kept writing about it because it's so outrageous. Right. Those things, things on the extreme always get a lot of attention. And so it did get a lot of national attention. And then, again, as I said, the House didn't really discount it until much later in the game. Right. There was a lot of quotes, ambivalent quotes from both chambers, yeah. really, that said, well, you know, we haven't looked at it yet, completely <laughs> yet, and we're, we're going to look at it. And the Senate, God bless them, had the lovely tact of just saying, look, we really can't comment on the substance of the issue because if it were to happen, we would be the judge and jury. Right. Impeachment takes place in the House, and then the Senate serves uh, as, the, as the venue for a trial. So just by saying if it happens, we, right. you know, it, it's, right. it yeah. just kind of keeps it alive. Right. So that was that problem. Um, now, can you see... So we, could you see like actual changes happening in the judiciary as a result of this case? I think it's more possible now than ever before. Right, because um, I mean, in Pennsylvania, we don't have a great track record of like following through on making amendments to the Constitution. Correct. It's it's hard in the state to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, well, it's a tough process and a long process. It requires, as you know, passage in two separate legislative sessions and a statewide ballot. Yep. But um, it it does seem to be. I mean, even from a, a practical political standpoint, Republicans might be looking at this and saying, well, if the Supreme Court did this this time, what's to stop them from doing it next time? We have another census coming up in 2020. 
the current process of allowing the legislature to pick its own seats and allowing a commission of politicians to pick the congressional seats has not been disrupted. That's still in place. The very process that got us to this whole crisis and the constitutional issues and the court's final decision is still in place. So maybe some thoughtful Republicans might say, what the heck? I mean, if, if the court is, is still Democratic, and it will be in the next go-around, um, maybe we'd be better off with a change either for redistricting a citizen's commission that is a, 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 pending, a pending issue or changing the system altogether and doing regional elections or merit selection. Right. Now, you could also argue that, you know, a lot of politicians, they look at things in terms of like, well, I'll have power again eventually. And when I do, right. I can do, I'll do things my way. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's kind of how Pennsylvania's system is set up, right? He who has power... What yeah, to him the, go the spoils or whatever? How does well, that yeah, the go? golden rule. Whoever has the gold rules, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and that's how it's gone for a long time, right? There have been been discussions over and over about well, we have to make this process fairer, usually from the people who are yeah. getting shafted in the process. Right. But uh, then once they get power, they don't care anymore. The thing that is interesting to me at the moment yes. is, I mean, we seem to be as a country and a state um, in an unusual place where. Me Too is going on. The aftermath of Parkland, Florida is going on. The aftermath of of a a huge change on gerrymandering in the state is going on. And so all of a sudden, as you suggest, we're not a state given to change. All of a sudden, change seems possible, or at least the energy around it is at a higher level than it's usually been. So I'll be very curious to see whether this moment turns out to be a vehicle for change or just a show for people running for re-election? Yeah, it certainly does seem like a lot all at once. Now, I want to ask, too, about you know what all of this could mean for the upcoming election. So we got um, a poll, one no. of, I think, um, the more important polls we've seen statewide in a while from Franklin and Marshall College uh, earlier this week that um, I think, interestingly, had Governor Wolf's approval ratings five points higher than they have been. Um, so now he's up into the 40s, which is a pretty solid position for him to be in going into re-election. Yeah. How do you parse that? Uh, the poll really surprised me for two reasons. Uh, there were two things that stuck out. If you combine the governor's favorable and somewhat favorable, he's at 50%, yeah. which is higher than he's been since he was elected. Right. And if you look at what is always a good measurement for the executive, whether it's national or state, um, right track, wrong track, if you look at that, people who believe Pennsylvania is on the right track is at a higher number than it has been since 2009. Mm -hmm. So those two things um, struck me, and I'm hard-pressed to explain, uh, especially the governor's numbers, with the exception that he has been on really on the forefront Of a couple of things. On Me Too, he has been very quick on the trigger. Anytime allegations, proven or not, have come up against public figures in Pennsylvania, he's called for their resignation. Um, He just has, he he is the one person who has had zero tolerance on that issue from the get-go. I believe in the atmosphere that we're in that that plays very well with women voters, particularly in the southeast. Uh, where women voters tend to be more liberal. And, and the second thing is he's been visible on reform issues 
whether or not it's because it's for re-election, it is a time when reform seems possible or is at least interesting. So I think that probably helped his numbers as well. Plus, it's hard to find something. I mean, a lot of people say, well, we wish he were more aggressive on things. Um, what, what has he really done to move the state forward? We still have one of the highest unemployment rates in the country, even though unemployment generally is low. There isn't a, a single definable reason to unseat him. I mean, sure. it's, it's hard to find something that he has done that people don't like. Republicans will bring up he hasn't signed a budget, but I think a lot of people don't really care yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that is really a Harrisburg kind of issue. Yeah. Um, you can try to sell it statewide as saying it's, it's just his management style isn't conducive to the political system. And there may be some truth to that. But for most people, uh, it doesn't affect, their, budgets anyway. doesn't affect their daily lives. Right, right. Yeah. And so now, um, going into you know how this is going to affect things going forward, I mean, I think it's worth noting, there's more Democrats in Pennsylvania than there are Republicans, right. and this poll reflected that. Yeah. Now, Democrats, it's been hard to turn them out for midterms sometimes, non-major year elections. This year feels a little bit different, perhaps right. for Democrats. Yeah. Um, it does. And, and if you look at the generic, would you vote for a Republican, would you vote for a Democrat, we're kind of tracking the national trend, which is six to eight points in favor of Democratic candidates as opposed to Republican candidates. Everybody is predicting a Democratic wave uh, nationally and in Pennsylvania. But in Pennsylvania, the key will be, yes, I think we will pick up some Democrats will pick up some congressional seats. Uh, particularly again so in the southeast, too. Uh, and in the and in the legislature, you're right. People are bailing, particularly Republicans are bailing, particularly in the southeast. And it's much easier to win an open seat than it is against an incumbent. But I doubt that it will be enough in the legislature to turn either majority in the House or the Senate. So Republicans will still, oh, yeah. I, I think, end up in control. Well, those are massive majorities yeah, too. Yeah, they I both do have think, very I comfortable mean, majorities. They may start chipping into them though. That's right. This year, I think they will. So, and is this the first year in a while that they've chipped in, that they've kind of regained some of that loss? Yeah, I mean, last time, uh, even as Democrats were winning statewide on other things, the Republicans actually had gains um, uh, in the last cycle. So it would be the first time in a while that there's uh, a, at least a break, a brake pedal is hit on Republican majorities in both chambers. Anything else that stood out to you in this poll? I did notice Wolf sort of outstripping his Republican opponents for governor. Obviously, we don't know who's going to face him yet. But. Yeah, it hasn't. Uh, the the FNM poll, as you suggest, is pretty reliable, and over time, twenty years or so, has been has been pretty good. I haven't talked to uh, Terry Madonna, who who runs the center where the poll comes from, but I was surprised that he, in measuring the Republican candidates for governor did not measure them head-to-head, measured each of them only against Governor Wolf. And in each instance, uh, Governor Wolf was comfortable. The closest Republican was Scott Wagner, state senator from York, who was within 17 points. 17 points is a blowout in in Pennsylvania. Um, The other two candidates, Paul Mango and Laura Ellsworth, both from Pittsburgh, were at 22, 27, something like that. So they're relatively close. The only thing you can kind of gain from that is that there doesn't seem to be any yet settled 
uh, nominee for the Republican Party, that race looks like it could be open. I think people expect that that uh, Senator Wagner will be the nominee, but that's to be decided. There's still plenty of time in that race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm going to call it a pretty short podcast today just because I can't talk super well. But, uh, John, anything else you're looking at in the upcoming days and weeks? Uh, again, the, my, my primary interest is what's going on out there. I hope the primary gives us some guidance. I'll yeah. be very interested to see who turns out and where, and particularly among young people, traditionally the lowest percentage of voters. Will young people in Pennsylvania come to the polls on May the 15th or not? We've seen an awful lot of activism from young people, especially on guns, things yep. like that recently. So I think that could make a difference. Uh, I hope so. I always say that democracy is there to be used. I wish we used it more, and maybe this year we will. All right. Well, on that note, John Bayer, columnist for a bunch of places, thank <laughs> you so much for coming. Katie, thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back in, uh, in two weeks.